Boom! There it is, there ladies it is. and gentlemen. How's it going? It's Monday. We're ready to rock and roll. How do you set up a virtual team? How would you set up a company if you were based hmm. on the other side of the world? That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get this show on the road. Here I like we it. go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business, business Bros. All right, you to do your thing, buddy. Let's do this. Hit All that. right, here we go, all you business pros out there. Before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, drop a review, help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on and learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz, schedule your time, and don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. There it is right there. All right, everybody, we're so excited and honored to bring another incredible guest to today's show. Today's guest built her real estate empire right here in these United States. But what makes her truly unique is that while her properties are all here, our guest is an Australian re resident and has never even seen the majority of her portfolio. She is a strong and proud entrepreneurial woman, and for more than 15 years, our guest has been helping leaders of all levels maximize their performance. Our guest has helped women all over the world overcome male-dominated spaces and break glass ceilings, teaching them along the way to surround themselves by clearly defined boundaries, relationships, accountability, feedback, and trust. If you believe that we are better together and are especially powerful when we emulate those with the success we admire, then sit tight. This conversation will be fun. Joining us today out of Port Melbourne in Victoria, Australia, Welcome to the show, Alicia Jarrett! Yeah! All right, all right, oh, Alicia, there like we go! Dancing in my chair. Yeah, Jesus <laughs> bringing the fire like he always does. All right, Alicia, I, let's I feel like we should be like, you know, there, there needs to be a business sisters in here somewhere too, not just the business bros. Right? Yes. That's what I'm saying. I I think we only did it just because we're actual brothers, like factual, oh. like you know, <laughs> right, former, right, right. former roommates. But the ladies are always welcome. They're a big part of the space. I love space that, for guys. Sure. Love it. Let's jump in. I'm so excited. Here we go. All right, Alicia, let's do this. Okay, let's jump into the uh, the nitty gritty. Let's talk about the. Uh, I, I actually want to ask you something before we get into all that stuff. Uh, we're in the U.S. We see a lot of stuff about what's going on in the world over there in Australia. What's what's this? And 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 so much has changed, by the way, in the last few weeks with China's real estate. Like, what's the sense of what you're feeling in in your country? What you feel about what's going on in the world, and and what you feel about the portfolio that you have over here? Yeah, well, that's a big question, Hernan. But uh, but let me first say that we are all good over here in Australia. We we've had it pretty tough over the last year or two with COVID, as has everybody. Um, and obviously, you know, you guys would have seen some stuff in the media about how much of a, oh, let's just say we, we went into a pretty locked down country there for a yeah. while and we still are to some degree. 
Um, felt like we were the ones living in communist China, but let's not get political. Um, but the good news is we, we've come out the other end and life is starting to go back to normal. The country's opening up, the borders are opening up, people are now opening up. Here's the interesting thing, though. The entire time throughout COVID over here in Australia, and I, I saw this in some markets in the US as well, and that is that um, it was the hottest real estate market over here it's ever been. And it was actually uh, broke records for people buying luxury cars in Australia than has ever been seen before. Ooh. So there's something about closing international borders that the rich people can't go and spend their money in Europe, so they spend it here. So it, it was a really fascinating experiment to really kind of just sit back and look at what was happening to the different parts of our common economy. Some were in dire straits and others were setting records and real estate was one of them. So, you know... When it rains, it pours, I say, and uh, it's um, it's been an interesting time. So, and same for the US, same for the All US. Right. Well, let's talk, you know, before we get into what we think the future is going to hold, let's talk a little bit about the past. Uh, you know, when people think about getting into real estate, they oftentimes just start with their main home, right? Where they're going to yep. live and then maybe a vacation house or a rental. But most people don't get into huge portfolios. You got into more than one, right? And <laughs> and you did it from not even being in the same country. Like walk me through, you know, who you were, how'd you get into that space and, and your story? Yeah, yeah. I'll try and keep this as brief as possible, guys, because uh, I know we, we want to get into some, into some nitty gritty stuff here. But uh, my partner, Matt, and I, we did some properties here in Australia and we loved it. Like we, we've always loved real estate. And we were doing that whilst we both had other jobs and companies and things as well. But the, the strategies over here are quite restrictive, but equally so is the entry to market. Um, you know, we're talking in, in Melbourne where we live, the average house price, the average, we're not talking for the affluent areas, we're talking average is now over a million. Um, and land, you know, to get a decent plot of land, you're talking at least a quarter of that. So it's crazy. And then when you buy properties over here, you actually pay what's called stamp duty on them. And it takes your value to ratio to profit. Is It literally gets blown out of the water. So we started to explore other markets about five years ago. And we landed in our research in the States for a couple of reasons. One, you could still buy a house. This is back when a lot of people were doing fix and flips. And, you know, we bought our first house for about 17000 US. Oh. That's unthinkable over here. You yeah. can't do that. And then to be able to flip that house uh, and get, you know, three times the price with tenants in it and selling it as a, a, a positive cash flow property, that doesn't even happen over here. Everything is negatively geared over here because the cost of properties versus the cost of rent is skewed. So, um, so we were looking at the US market and everything we started to research just started to make more sense. The access to data, the access to different real estate strategies, the access to private money lenders to good business partners to collaborative environments you know in Australia unfortunately we do have this thing called the tall poppy syndrome where people go ah that sounds a bit far-fetched you can't do that like you know pull yourself back down a little which is disappointing <laughs> the US we have loved the uh, entrepreneurial spirit of everybody we meet that's like that sounds like a great idea how can we do that so we really started to um get into a whole bunch of different things with real estate in the States. And that's now led us to have four businesses in the States, one of them being real estate, one of them being a data organization, one of them being a marketing company, um, and one of them being a new platform that we're about to to launch that I won't talk about yet. So, um, so you know, it, it just started with us doing a few houses. 
then we got into land um, and uh, and we have not looked back since. Oh, that's so impressive that you were able to do that. And in what's really impressive is that you're doing it from so far away. There are so many of us who try to start a business and we have problems and we're right here, right? Like the business is literally, you know, in our garages or, yep. you know, we're trying to get it off the ground. We, there's an office that we go to. It's literally right there. It's tangible to us. But for you, it was not tangible. Nope. What what do what and are still some is things, not. It still is not right. <laughs> and and you're successfully doing that. So what are some things that an entrepreneur needs to look at for their in you know at their business that they can start to maybe offset some of that time and take their hands off so that yeah. But but so that it still runs efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I start with the first thing though, Hernan? And that is that the first thing that an entrepreneur entrepreneur needs to do with this is think about mindset. So the more that people go, I couldn't possibly do business in another state, like I need to put my eyes on the property. No, you don't. I couldn't possibly do a business virtually in real estate because it's a relationship business. Yes, you can. So, you know, I think it's about challenging our own assumptions about what you can and can't do when it comes to real estate. And we are living proof. We can do this from the other side of the world. We've done real estate deals on the ski slopes in France and in the middle of an ocean in Croatia on a yacht. Mm. So that's when we could travel. Um, <laughs> so I, I think sometimes it's first of all asking yourself, well, what is the market that I want to play in and how do I set up my systems and processes and team, my boots on the ground, whatever it is to be able to play in that market? And I think if anything COVID has taught us, you know, there, there's got to be some silver linings, right? It's that business can be done in so many different ways and you do not have to physically be where you want to invest, no matter what asset class you're in. You know, even if you're a multifamily investor, you can invest in other states and you can have people go and look at the properties for you. And maybe before you finalise the deal, if you're about to spend millions, yes, you do want to get on a plane and go and see it. But um, but if you're doing land and if you're doing basic single family homes and uh, maybe if you're doing some other asset classes, mobile homes, there's loads of things that you can do virtually and get other people to do for you that you don't have to be there. But as long as you've got your checklists and your systems in place to be able to do that, then nothing's impossible. You know, I love how you started with the mindset because uh, that's been like a theme lately in some of our shows is how do we get our mind right? And everybody's trying to either come up with that that ideal goal that, that are, they're going to work towards or maybe yeah. it was imposter syndrome. Uh, and the way you laid it out there is, you know, first start off with what are you telling yourself? If you're already telling yourself that this is impossible, then you're going to be right. That's exactly what's going to happen. That's the limitation yep. that you're setting for yourself. So you changed it. You said, no, it's not that it's impossible. It's I need to put a system in place. I need to put a process in place uh, as exactly. a real estate investor what were those first systems that you put in place like what was the first thing that you felt you had to tackle or in hindsight you should have tackled yeah yep the, i guess in in hindsight we probably wouldn't have done anything different so i think we had some really good mentors that we also put in place first of all um we went and did the right training on how to invest in in the us so we went and got the information and i think that's the first thing make sure you're armed with the right information and education to be able to then put the right systems and processes in place. I see a lot of real estate investors out there and because of our marketing company in real estate, we see and meet a lot of them. And they've kind of gone out there without a strategy and without really thinking through, what do I want my business to look like? They've just gone, I'll pick an asset class and go for it. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. What do you need to know about that asset class? What's the knowledge that you need to have first of all? So we started with knowledge and started with a mentor. 
And then it was about finding people within the place that we wanted to do business. So we literally got on the phone um, and uh, and started with some realtors and built some relationships with some local realtors and said, hey, we're international investors. Um, we want a realtor that's able to work with international investors and try a few things that might be a little crazy. Um, are you up for that? Believe it or not, there was only one person that got back to us and said yes, and his name's Michael Cassidy, and he's in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. He's still on our team today, five years later. Mm. Um, so, you know, it just goes to show the power of relationships when you're willing to find your your kin um, that are, are willing to do things with you and, and be part of your business. And he's just awesome. So through him, our next step was to build out our network. And that was to say, hey, Michael, we want to do deals through you, but can you introduce us to some local attorneys, title companies, um, surveyors, et cetera? And a lot of those people are still on our team. Um, we've just expanded it. So it was about finding the right people on the ground that could do things for us. Fast forward two years later, we've still got those people in place, but now we also have systems and processes that help us out with our business too. So all of our acquisitions marketing, we've systematized. All of our buyer and seller calls now go to a full-time team of three that are based in the Philippines. Don't, again, mindset, don't knock resources in the Philippines. I know a lot of people go, oh, I don't want an offshore person dealing with my customers. Offshore people can be amazing if you've put the right effort into training them, coaching them, giving them feedback, getting, giving them a way of working in a system that allows them to be successful. If you can get them to be successful, they'll stick with you forever. Oh, so we've 100%. had a... Hundred percent. Yeah, quick, we've had a team over quick there. Quick shout yeah, out go. to my VA who's in the Philippines, Celine. Yeah. You rock. Yes, yes. Woo. All right. <laughs> so you 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 subbed out some stuff. Uh, once you once you had your your boots on the ground, you then took the virtual approach. Now you have systems and processes for the boots on the ground. Some of that gets VA'd uh, out into other places, other parts of the world. Continue. Yep. Okay. So I guess as a where to from there, it was about, well, how do we make sure that we've got the right pipeline for our strategy so that we're always feeding deals through to our boots on the ground in, in the US, i.e. we've always got our title company busy. We've always got our realtor busy on the, on the things that we're joint venturing or partnering with him on. So we needed to make sure that we reverse engineered our numbers for our strategy. And I guess this is where a lot of people in business, in real estate, don't go to this minutia and that is, okay, if we need to have three time full customer service people and we want to make X amount of profit per month, we want X amount of deal flow coming through, we want to make X amount per deal, how many letters do we need to send? How many phone calls do we need to make? How many comps do we need to run? How many offers do we need to send out? And really get clear on what our numbers were. The system that we use, so our, our um, CRM system, really integrates that strategy into that deal flow. So. How many comps? We can now report on that. How many comps are we running per month? How many offers are we sending out? How many deals are we negotiating? So we're now able to manage our business through our strategy with the right systems in place that then allows us to get eyes on our business at any point in time. So that means on a daily call with my team, Hernan, I'm actually talking them through, okay, guys, we've got 65 deals that we're currently negotiating on. Who's on point with these 10? Who's on point with these 10? Who's on point with these? Um, okay, guys, we're, we're sending out seven updated offers this week. Um, can we just check who's the main person on point for following up that seller to get that deal over the line? We've now got 2,000 leads in uh, these three counties and we just got two new properties on those. Who's on point to make sure that we can send out a first look email in you know, the click of a button to those 2,000 buyers who are looking in these areas? 
So knowing that your systems and processes can drive results and really stepping back from your business and thinking less about people and more about process and system first. So the way that we approach our business is process and system, then person to execute it. Mm. And I think a lot of times people go, I just need people, but then your entire business becomes about managing people and problems rather than using systems. Yeah, and the, and the way you laid it out, the beauty of it is it gives you the ability to scale because you started off with the boots on the ground. You started to put their systems and processes in place. You got a, a, a CRM system that manages the workflow so that you're not working the people anymore. You're working the system. And now you can take that same exact system and say, you know what, we want to do a new market. Let's go and go into this new market. Let's go into this new market because yeah. you already have all the tools in place. You, you could literally now test the validity or the strength of your system, right? Like McDonald's didn't know how many hamburgers they can sell (laughs) until they really opened up the floodgates and said, okay, what is our limits? And now you you're working on improving them. So you've opened up the floodgates. Uh, What, what kind of problems did you run into at that point? Yeah. um, Probably early on, I'll break down the problems into two things. So early on, our main problems were overcoming the fact that the the number one thing, Hernan, and this is the frustrating thing that I I find, we are classed uh, outside of the US, we're classed as aliens, which I find is really quite funny because like, I don't think I look like one, but um, we're classed as that, yeah, (laughs) and don't have tentacles coming up, we're aliens, which means we don't have a social security number. So doing things like um, getting a mobile notary out to someone, um, signing certain paperwork, uh, doing certain deals where you need to have an SSN, they're the main things that get in the way, setting up bank accounts, all that kind of stuff. But there are ways around it. So I think early on, whenever we came across those obstacles, we always had the mindset of, no, we're not going to take no for an answer, but what's our alternative? What's Mm -hmm. another solution? You know, how can we use our people on the ground and partner with them on some of this stuff? Um, so as an example, like our, our realtor that's on the ground, he is our, our main signer. We do a corporate resolution every time we're closing a deal and he signs all our paperwork for us and we give him a small thank you for that. So done, problem fixed. So later on though, when we first started scaling our business, because um, we send out now anywhere between ten to 20,000 offers a month, we've got anywhere in our in our land pipeline we've got anywhere between say 25 to 40 deals advertised at any point in time i've got on average 10 in closing per month but we keep rotating that through so we're always busy which is great but i think Damn! yeah it's awesome exactly <laughs> and i hate that word busy it's like oh, i'd rather be uh focused on the word productive so um So the problems that came with growing was making sure that our speed, like you can have the right system in place, but the speed of execution needed to be good. Mm. And the reason I say that is no matter what asset class you're in, if you're dealing at an acquisition stage, if you're dealing with a seller who's now ready to sell their property, single family home, mobile home, storage facility, land, whatever, the minute they get on the phone to you is the minute they want to deal, not two weeks later. So we've really had to think about how do we speed up the processes and systems to be able to run our numbers, get some comps and get back to them within 24 hours? How do we speed up our systems so that when we send out an offer, we're trying to get that offer back within three days? How do we speed up our systems so that when we advertise a property or get one under contract and we're about to send it out, we get our due diligence done within 24 hours? So it was really asking ourselves the question about the velocity of money, which is 
how quickly you can cycle through a deal to work on your next one and keep the cash moving. And there's so many people in the real estate space that don't get that, that are really sitting back and going, oh, well, you know, that takes a week, that takes two weeks, takes me, you know, four months to sell a property. And we're like, no, it doesn't. If you've got the right things in place and you're really focused on efficiency, you can actually get stuff done pretty quickly. But it's how you manage that. Um, and coming back to the opening, you know, he mentioned BRAFT, which is a, a methodology that I use a lot in my coaching and, and leadership mentoring, which is you know, how do you set the right boundaries, responsibility, accountability, and give trust to your team to go and get the job done. Mm. So I think a lot of the, the problems that other people have early on, I mean, my background's also in leadership development, right? So when it came to bringing our team on board, I didn't want to treat them as VAs and we don't even call them VAs. We actually call them our customer service team and they're part of our family. And they've got ownership and accountability over more of the business than what I do. And that might sound a little crazy, but we've set up our systems and processes to give them a scope. Like they know with each deal, we've already got the numbers in the system as to where they can negotiate between. They don't need to come back to me for a permission. Just go and do it. Come back to me later and tell me you've got a deal. Awesome. Let's go. Yes. So, I really think it's about the mindset of how people think that they manage versus lead. Yeah. And it's funny because allowing your, your, your staff to fail, to make some mistakes, to have some of that creative control, um, that saves your inbox from so much, your Slack messages or your text messages, whatever it is that you're using in our office. I mean, you're giving them so much flexibility, but you're also limiting that, right? I mean, you called it a B-rat, right? Boundaries, restrictions, accountability. Yeah. Yeah, right? and, and so and that the the F was for feedback, which is feedback. consistent feedback loop. Yeah, we always have feedback in our team, and that's not just me giving them feedback. I ask them to give, you know, it's two way. I give them feedback, mm. but they give me feedback. How can I be more effective to help them be more successful? And the culture's got to be uh, good about that as well, right? It's not we're not putting down any individual. We're looking at the process and what happened as a result, and then making adjustments and moving forward. Uh, yeah, and, and that's that's kind and, of and the the culture of of that dynamic, correct. right? That feedback loop. Yeah, correct. And if if anyone's ever followed Tony Robbins, he's got an acronym he uses called Can I C A N I, which is constant and never ending improvement. Um, and that's the mindset that we have, which is don't look at something and go, yeah, that that's okay, that works. No, how can we make that better? How can we make that faster? How can we make that easier? So um, it is a mindset thing, definitely. Speaking of improving, uh, you know, Zillow re recently stopped their iBuyer program. Apparently, they were overpaying for homes uh, and they're known for, you know, appraising them or zestimating them anyways. Uh, China's had a lot of problems when it comes to their developers and bankruptcy. There's uh, it depends on who you talk to. You talk to some people, they're going to tell you, look, the market's great. It's fine. It's continuing at where, where we're at. There's no sign of anything going down. Others are like, look, it's just seasonal. This is what happens at the end of the year, usually at this time market. And everybody else is talking about doom and gloom in 2022. Uh, what is, as a boot on the ground, somebody who's actually going through deal through deal, through deal, you probably see trends in offers and submissions and listings. Yep. What's your pulse on the market? Yeah, here's my thing. And I think I want to step away from the hype because media has a big role to play in how it drives fear and people mm. make a lot of decisions based on fear. But here's the facts. Here's what we know. Real estate always goes through cycles, always. 
if you look back on history, there's always a cycle of growth and then reduction and then growth and then reduction and then growth and it keeps on going. And, and typically, you know, it's about a seven year cycle for most uh, you know, single family homes and land and most sort of, you know, average asset classes, multifamily and, and other developments is probably a little different, but, but there's always a cycle. So I think what most people need to do is to be realistic and rather than looking at our business and going, oh, holy cow, does that mean we're not going to do deals next year? No, it just means that we might need to market differently, do deals differently and look at things differently. You know, there's whenever the market's up, people buy. Whenever the market's down, people buy. And it's the same for sellers, mm -hmm. you know, people buy and sell for different reasons at different times. And I think it's just how you ride that wave and look ahead to your business and really adjust your strategy as you go. And so for us, you know, we're really focused on building out some of our other products, um, which are helping real estate investors too, to be more efficient. We're really looking ahead at how we use other pieces of technology um, combined with what we're doing to stay ahead of our competition. So again, it's an opportunity. I, I don't think, I think if people listen to the hype, they start to then, the message they tell themselves is, oh, next year's gonna be really hard. And if that's our starting point, then, you know, I often say hard is not a fact, it's a feeling. If you think something's <laughs> going to be hard, it will be. <laughs> You're laying down your own groundwork. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 2022, what is that going to look like for you? What changes or modifications are you guys making to your business uh, that somebody else might be able to implement in theirs as well? Yeah. Yeah. So some changes that, that we're making, the, the main thing is, so we, we have a land investing business. Uh, the strategy that we use is we we use blind offers. We're already analyzing our sales data differently. So we run a whole bunch of sales data before we send out blind offers is what we call the market sentiment, which is here's our county assessed value. Here's what people are paying for properties. So what's the difference yeah. between that? And we're analyzing those market trends to kind of give us the buyer behavior. And whatever we see in that buyer behavior, that's what we're applying into our own data when we're sending out offers. So we're actually sending out offers at the moment that are much higher than what they probably have been in the past, but that's because that's what people are paying. So, you know, we know what we can exit at and we know what we can enter at. So let's adjust that. So I think for us, it's always reviewing the data and let the data, we're very much a data-driven business, let the data tell us what's actually happening. So 2022 will be a lot more about how we use data to help drive decisions, how we stay ahead when it comes to the buyer activity and echoing that in our seller behavior as well how we change some of our market messaging to also, um, you know, we're big on marketing and, and doing online and offline together, how we change some of that to make sure we're reflecting what's happening in the market. Because you know, two years ago, our marketing was COVID's hit and a lot of people are wanting to liquidate their assets. So what's the easiest way to liquidate so you can get cash fast? Mm. That might not be the message in 2022. 2022 might be more about hey, you've been sitting on, you know, vacant land now for 10 plus years and you're probably wondering what it's worth. Give our team a call and we'll actually give you a free assessment. Let's talk about your property. Mm. So, you know, market message match all has to be right for that point in time. Um, so that's one thing that we'll be doing. The second thing we'll be doing is working on some other products. Um, so we've got our marketing product and we're working on releasing some other products that help other real estate investors to make doing business easier. Because the customer experience, when it comes to these market changes, the customer experience also changes. And what oh, I mean right. by that is our seller becomes different. Our seller demographic becomes different. So the way that they want to do business becomes different. And we need to go along with that as well. 
That's so true. I mean, <clears throat> literally just the way we interact as individuals drastically has changed, right? It yeah. has it has it has been night and day from just two years ago where it was a lot of shaking hands. It was a lot of personal communication, happy hours. Like a lot of that is maybe starting to make its way back, but it's been so long that now the communication is this screen right here. This communication that we're doing yeah. right now, live on a screen on a FaceTime call or whatever it is. So, you know, that, that, you know, the way people learn is completely different. The way people are training is completely different. The way you're submitting offers, the way sellers interact, the way yep. they expect, the where where they get their information from, it's completely exactly, Hernan. It exactly, and and you know that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So I think if people are going into business next year and just thinking, I'm just going to do what I've always done. There's a little bit of craziness in there. So that it mm. might be just, you know, it's a good opportunity. And people can go to our website, you know, superchargedoffers.com. We've actually got a free business growth plan on there that people can download. And maybe it's a really good opportunity as we head past Thanksgiving and into Christmas to just stop and do a more of a business plan. Let's stop and use the business growth plan to do a strategy. Okay, what does 2022 look like? How do we reverse engineer our numbers? Do we need to look at our numbers differently? Like all of these questions, I think, businesses should be doing regularly but i'm su often surprised how many don't <laughs> oh my gosh if only we were proactive it would save so many headaches i might even have hair if <laughs> that might have been an issue. it was probably all the all the procrastination that made me rip my hair out all right alicia you've shared so much uh and uh, by the way what time is it out there it's 11.39 in the morning. So you guys, thank you for staying up late. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's four o'clock in the afternoon, almost five o'clock in the afternoon for us. Elisa, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, uh, one more time, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they do that again? Sure. So they can go to superchargedoffers.com and they can download some info from there. We've got a free ebook and a free business growth plan. They can email me direct at uh, Alicia, it's A-L-I-C-I-A at superchargedoffers.com. Or they can give my team a call. My team would be happy to take some calls and book some time with them. And that number is 888-538-5478. Awesome. All right, ladies and gents, you heard it. This is what this is what we do. This is where we bring you stories. Look, I know it's scary out there. You've never done it before, or maybe you've been doing it for a while. You're not sure where the market's going to go. Look, there are experts out there who are doing it. Up markets, down markets, any market. A market is just when a buyer and seller agree to terms. That's really what it comes down to. And it's up to you what those terms are, what that price is, and make sure you leave a little in there for your margins. But people like Alicia can help you learn some of those ropes so you don't have to step in some holes that maybe you can skip over. So make sure you guys check it out. Superchargedoffers.com. Superchargedoffers.com. Alicia, thank you very much for being on the show. One more thing before we head out. We love our testimonials because that's really what, for us, how we build our relationships. A testimonial is awesome because A, sometimes you're in a rut that imposter syndrome sets in and it's great to hear what other people are saying about you because of the value you brought in. And two, they're great marketing tools. So if you could do me a favor, what was your experience like on the Business Bros podcast? Oh, I've got a tea cake from smiling, first of all, because that was so much fun. Um, but my experience really was that you guys have got a really nice dynamic way of thinking. And I love that you're both pushing boundaries and willing to ask the tough questions. So for me, that was a really open and enlightening and fun conversation to have. And I just I just hope it's helped a few people out there. Oh, thank you very much, Alicia. All right. That's it, ladies and gents. We love you all. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. Maybe I shouldn't say it that way, but 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So we'll see you again, manana. Peace, and we're out.
Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.